0: And welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt. And Jillian. We are a biweekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're chatting with author Mia P. Manansala about her debut novel, Arsenic and Adobo, the first installment of the Tita Rosie's Kitchen Mystery Series, which hits bookstores on May 4th. Welcome to the show, Mia.
1: Welcome. Yay. Thanks for having me.
0: We are so excited to have you here and talk about your book. But first... We want to hear <laughs> what's making you feel cozy. So, what is making you feel cozy?
1: Um, so, I'm gonna cheat and name more than one thing. Um, Cause I'm currently, I'm recording this uh, from my little office alcove, and like, I'm in like a cocoon of cliche coziness, right? So, like right now, I'm drinking my favorite tea. It's the uh, original spice tea from my local tea shop, uh, Todd and Holland, out of a golden girl's mug. I'm I'm burning a lemon lilac scented candle, um, from Terra Simply. And before we started recording, I was like shoveling handfuls of Cadbury mini eggs in my mouth because I was like, I'm like, I always get like slightly nervous speaking my language, (laughs) these interviews. So I'm just like, okay, (laughs) I've got a candle, I've got my tea, I've got chocolate,
2: I'm good. I can do this.
0: I think you are certifiably cosier than I am, and I think that makes you now the official (laughs) host of the show. So
2: yeah, you take over now. Mia
0: will now be the permanent host of all things cozy with Julian. Yeah, I'm so jealous. When I heard about
2: your
1: show, I was like, "What an awesome concept!" Because like I'm only like I turned thirty-five, but on the inside, I'm like a million. I'm just like, like, give me all the cozy things.
2: Yeah, those Cadbury eggs. I mean, those little mini ones. I can down a whole bag within, you know, 20 minutes. So they're they're dangerously good. It's Mm. funny because when Matt and I first started the show, we recorded in kind of a similar setup, though it wasn't necessarily so cozy. Matt's decorations are very cozy, (laughs) and in itself it's cozy, but I think it was in July in L.A., yeah, when we first recorded our first episode, and it was so hot. Oh, yeah, we were, like, (laughs) trapped (laughs) in a little nook. Yeah, we almost passed out.
0: (laughs) But we don't. So we would hot. have died in in the coziest way possible.
2: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I love I love nooks in those little mm-hmm. cozy spaces. At least you know your death would have been on brand. Exactly. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: very
0: true. <laughs> uh, small comfort. Um, <laughs> that's incredible. Well, I'm I'm glad that you were all you were perfectly set up for this chat. Jillian, how about you? What's making you feel cozy right now?
2: Well, I browsed an uh, actual real-life store for the first time in, I think, a <laughs> Whoa, year. Whoa, slow
0: down. You're moving way too fast.
2: <laughs> it was surreal because I think the only stores I've been to, grocery store, like, uh, you know, drugstore, the dry cleaners or something like that, and it's always darting in and out of the aisles. I'm Jason Bourne or something. I'm just trying to get in and get out. <laughs> I'm, like, terrified. I'm not making eye contact with anyone. Not that it's
0: different than my usual If you phone. run fast <laughs> enough, the microbes can't catch you. Yeah, I was I like oh my science. god they
2: looked at me <laughs> i have it <laughs> uh so i i was in this different neighborhood for a, an errand and i was just walking down the street and all these little cute shops and so i went to this cute shop called um sea witch botanicals and anything a sea witch
0: yeah you already you signed got my up sign
2: me up but see yeah need to know about that sea witch uh, so i was just browsing through the aisles i picked up some lovely incense i don't normally like incense because it just all sound, smells like burning to me you <laughs> <the> said <incense. laughs> uh but this one was lovely it had scents like green fairy um like a raven white lodge it's just like really i like a yeah like a fairy tale and it was it smells really great actually it smells better not lit i just had the package next to me it smells awesome and i got this lovely soap you know those soaps that kind of hurt but in a good way <laughs> <laughs> Those exfoliating soaps And it's just lovely I was sniffing I was browsing But I didn't touch Because they have signs that don't touch So I I looked I tried not to
0: touch That would be so um, hard for me Because I feel like I'm always just picking up stuff In uh, stores I need to stop that habit in this day and age,
2: yeah, I, I really. I mean, this pandemic taught me a lot, and, and one, I guess it's just yeah. I, I need to touch things in stores. That's something that I learned <laughs> about myself, <laughs> like my child. But it was it was truly a lovely, simple experience that I took for granted. Just you know, on a Saturday, going into a new store and browsing and getting some soap. <laughs> it sounds silly, but it, it it was it was a lovely outing. So here's to you know easing back into
0: things. Yeah. That sounds great, and, and you'll need that soap now that we're going back out in the world. that's <laughs> yeah, true, oh, I hope you smell like a sea witch um, <laughs> that's that
2: only scent I'll accept so
0: <laughs> for me right now I've been feeling a little under the weather this week, um and I've been comforting myself with some t v um I've been watching the i t crowd, which is this British sitcom, which in all like I can't recommend it as a cozy show per se because it's a little bit intense. It is it is interesting watching a show from the early aughts and then you just realize like how much time has passed because I think about that time period as like my childhood and you really start to recognize like how dated it looks now, um, both in terms of the sense of humor and the costumes and all of it. So that's like it's that's comforting to me, but I think that's only specifically because like it's bringing me back to my childhood. But um, what it's really, what the really cozy element here is one of the actors in that show who I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. And then I realized that everything I was watching to comfort myself had him as the common denominator. <laughs> and so really what's making me feel cozy this week is the British comedian and actor named Richard Ayoade, who is in the IT crowd. Um, and he has a very distinct nasally voice and he always has this beautiful quaff of hair and like Mm -hmm. the, um, really thick like eyeglasses. He's very dorky and sweet and his way of acting in sitcoms particular because these British sitcoms, there's always this like element of like just overacting. I think they, they all do this, but his way of doing it is the most adorable way of doing it. (laughs) You just have to watch it to understand what I'm talking about. But, um, He, he just sort of like is very um, uptight. He's a very tense person. And so he <laughs> also has his own travel show, which is called Travel Man. And the first two <laughs> seasons are on Amazon Prime. And, and I think that is the cozy wreck here is Travel Man <laughs> because it's him spending 48 hours all over the world with whatever other British celebrities he's with. He hates everything. Like he doesn't like to be touched. He doesn't really enjoy <laughs> sightseeing. Um, he just wants to be back at home. And so I, if you identify with like kind of like wanting to be a person who wants to travel, but truly not being that person, Travel Man is the show for you. <laughs> um, and it's just a really comforting watch. I especially loved this episode of it um, with Chris O'Dowd, who was his co-star in IT Crowd. And there's this scene. This isn't going to sound cozy, but I think it was so human that I loved it. They're in Vienna and they go to a snow globe museum slash shop. And Chris O'Dowd, um, who you may know from Bridesmaids, he was uh, the love interest in that. He drops one of the snow globes that this guy made, who's the owner of the, <laughs> the shop. It's a huge snow globe, like truly massive. And the way that everyone wants to die in that moment...
2: no! <laughs>
0: <not>. <laughs> ...is... I know it sounds really cringy, but, I mean, the owner was really sweet about it. Um, and <laughs> Richard's just grateful it wasn't him. But I think, like... <laughs> There was something cozy about that shared experience of like, oh, I'm so embarrassed right now that I just want to not exist anymore. That Chris O'Dowd <laughs> was experiencing it was a very real moment, and I enjoyed it a lot. I'll so anyway, check like check out the work of um, Richard Ayoade. He is really funny and sweet. I was like.
1: I just googled him because I'm like, I know I've known that name. Is he the guy? Like, there's like a, a gif of him that people use all the time where he's like sitting there and like he reaches over and grabs like a box of popcorn and starts eating, like, as he's yes. like watching something. That's right, okay. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. I know that face.
0: Yeah. He's, been, he's in a lot <laughs> he's more
1: popcorn eating meme. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he also has a really distinct voice. So he's in a lot of cartoons. He was just in uh, Soul. He was one of the um, mm, Soul okay. Shepherd characters in that movie because he has just like a really. Nasally nerd voice that is um, fantastic. <laughs> All right, Mia, let's dive in. We cannot wait to talk about your <laughs> new novel, Arsenic and Adobo. Before we dive in, just a little bit about this book. So, Arsenic and in Adobo introduces Lila Macapagal, who becomes entangled in legal, romantic, and Filipino family complications when her ex boyfriend drops dead. In her family's restaurant. That is incredibly rude. Who does that? (laughs) Her legendary beef with her ex means that she is the prime suspect in the case, but she is determined to clear her name and her family's business one clue at a time. We know here at All Things Cozy that the heart and soul of a cozy mystery is its sleuth. And Mm -hmm. Lila is among the fiercest and funniest we've ever met. Can you tell (laughs) us about the inspiration behind Lila and how her character and world came into focus for you?
1: Yeah, sure. So honestly, this book came about based on like a joking conversation that I had between like me and my mentor, uh Kelly Garrett. Like we were talking one day um about how so many cozies are like follow rom-com tropes. Hmm. And like we came, I like I came to the conclusion, I was like, oh my God, cozies are just rom coms with dead bodies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is very you know? true, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. And like I was, I was riding the train to work one day, the blue line, because you're a Chicagoan. Um yes. and literally, like, I'm not exaggerating, the first two lines of the first, well, the first line and then the second one shortly after popped into my head fully formed. Like I did, I hadn't, I wasn't even thinking about writing. They just kind of came into my head. And, like, the first two lines are, um, my name is Laila Makapagal, and my life has become a rom-com cliche. <laughs> and, like, and I was just, like, she even named herself. I was, like, I didn't think of that name. It just kind of came up. And I was, like, oh, sh- I, I, you know, I pulled out my phone. I was, like, I'm writing this in the notes because this is something. And as I was writing it in the notes, the second line came to me, which was, um, not many rom-coms feature Asian-American leads. Or Dead Bodies, but more on that later. But all the (laughs) trademarks were there. And then so, like, with those two lines, I knew what the story was going to be. I didn't know who she was quite yet, um, but I had really strong feelings like, okay, if she's going to be, if I'm going to be, like, playing with these rom-com tropes, obviously she's a girl from a small town, right? She has to go to the big city. She has to fail utterly and return home, you know, kind of lick her wounds. Um, I was kind of like in early stages channeling Reese Witherspoon in Sweet Home Alabama. Not that strong, but I wanted part of that, right? I wanted her to have that big fish in a small pond feeling where maybe she starts out thinking she's a little too good for everybody, but, you know, things change along the way.
2: Well, it's funny how inspiration strikes often when you're not trying. <laughs> mm. uh, that, that's a, what's really special about writing sometimes. It's just, you know, it's it's waiting for, for you, you know, it's already there. It's just when it comes to fruition is often a pleasant surprise, you know, riding no. the train or just, you know, walking to grab some coffee. You just never know. Um, but not only is Lila the heart and soul of the story, but also food. And it's the love language for so many characters in in the book. So I'm curious what foods inspire coziness and love for you. Mm, good question.
1: Um, so like I use food as like a love language because, um, a lot of the food content is like based on my father and like, cause that's how oh, he showed his love. To, he was the cook in the family. That's how he showed love to us. Uh, you know, he was very old school, stoic Asian. You don't say I love you. <laughs> not very physically affectionate, but the food he provided was amazing and you could taste the love all the time. Um, so if I'm trying to think of things that he provided that really showed care, that's like comfort for me. There is um a dish called um arroz caldo. Um it, it's it's like a rice porridge. So like if you're familiar mm-hmm. with like Chinese congee or Korean juk or something like that. Oh,
2: okay.
1: Yeah, it's like a thick rice porridge. Um this one in particular is flavored with chicken and ginger. And it's just, it's really comforting. It's really delicious, you know, and it's actually healthy for you, which, like, shock. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, if I'm, like, off the top of my head, that makes me think of coziness.
0: That's incredible. And all the food in the novel is so lovingly described and sounds so delicious. And I was getting nervous (laughs) because I was like, where are the recipes? Like, I was, like, looking between the (laughs) chapters because sometimes, you know, books have those. And I was relieved that there are lots of recipes at the back. So there are recipes in this book and and readers should <laughs> look forward to that because these are these everything in the in the novel that their characters are eating sounds absolutely delicious. Thank yeah.
2: you. I could gain weight just by reading cozy.
0: Yeah, that sounds super, super comforting. I mean, as a Midwesterner, even, like, I also just loved in general, like, the mystery itself brings Lila into orbit with all these different types of food. And she's like, sam- mm-hmm. like it's like basically like a, a sampler platter of all these different <laughs> cuisines. And it was mm-hmm. really, I-, I loved going on that food journey with her. Oh, yeah. Um, and t- <laughs> obviously, she's trying to uncover the truth of this, of this murder, but also, like, truly taking the time to enjoy all the food along the way, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. And she's in a small town called Shady Palms, like in in this place <laughs> in Illinois. So, I, I, a question about the the setting: Was Shady Palms inspired by a specific place?
1: Yes and no. Um, I mean, first of all, like it was kind of like a joke. Like I saw, like I was. It's always the train. I, but I, like I was, I was on a train <laughs> somewhere. Else. I was in. I was on the. I think in Maryland on my way to this like mystery convention and I saw a stop called Shady Grove. I'm like, Oh, that sounds like a, like a cozy town name. But then I Googled it and apparently there, there really is a Shady Grove, Illinois. And then I was like, Shady Pines. I was like, no Mia, that's golden girls. And then, (laughs) and then I was just like, okay, you know what? You're making this place up. Why not go full on ridiculous? And like Shady Palms is kind of a weird in-joke between me and a couple of friends and I was just like it'll be a placeholder name you can always replace it <laughs> if you know if you think of something better and like shady palms just kind of stuck um but like at the time I just knew I want like it was just a kind of generic midwestern town um because like describing like descriptions are not my favorite thing to write they're usually one of the last things to write and so, like early readers were like, Mia, where is she? She's, she's just like floating in like this white blob of space. Like, mm-hmm. what does this town look like? How many people are there? And I'm like, uh. And then, luckily, one of my um, critique partners was like, you know what? This kind of reminds me of, um, oh, geez, I forgot the name. But it's this place kind of by Star. It's this small town kind of near Starved Rock, which uh, like a, a couple, like an hour or two outside of Chicago. And I was like, yes that's close enough for me to travel to and research. Um, So it's like I backwards engineered some of the things to to resemble that town, but I don't want it to be like exactly just because I don't need people being like the river's not over there. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's, you know, I kind of want the town to work the way I need it to work.
0: Yeah, exactly. You got to be able to reconfigure the map whenever you really need to (laughs) given Mm -hmm. future novels. But I love the like the almost gimmicky nature of the fact that like it's this uh, like like plastic palm tree, like Main Street <laughs> that you established, <laughs> which is super funny in a Midwestern town. I even just the name like mm-hmm. shady palms is so funny because like palms are like so not shady, <laughs> depend uh, depending on the palm, but um mm-hmm. depending on how tall they are. Here in LA, I'm always like wishing I got a little more shade from these palms because the sun is <laughs> a little too intense those palms
2: Um, not working hard enough
0: but it really does feel true to that like midwestern quality that a lot of towns have which is like what is going to be our gimmick to get people to live here like where where Mm -hmm. i'm from um in mount prospect i was like why is this place called mount prospect it is neither a mountain nor does it have incredible (laughs) prospects (laughs) and it really it really was like them like basically like starting it was one guy who was like i'm gonna make this a thing And I'm going to call it like Mount Prospect where everyone can come and live here because it's going to be, you know, they're they're just going to fall in love with a name. So, Mm. you know, I think (laughs) I think that might just like a a Midwestern quality of like name first locations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I thought that was a really cool, like uh, true to life in its own kind of like circuitous way uh, setting for this cozy
2: and it's funny, the name in my mind almost has a double meaning with the, the shady part because a lot mm-hmm. of um, the situations that are presented in the book aren't sugary sweet like you typically see in a cozy mystery from the situation some of the characters find themselves in to, you know, the barbs that Lila trades with her aunties <laughs> or clashing with her cousin Bernadette. I know, we should we should Which- cue
0: that uh, drag race <laughs> rattle right now.
2: Yeah, but- <laughs> the quips, they're just flying. And that was really a fun part of the book, but, um, it, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, cozy maybe on the surface, but I really Mm -hmm. found them cozy at their core. And I'm wondering if you can kind of speak more, more to that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's
1: basically what I was going for. Um, I, have loved cozy mysteries for a long time. My mom uh, was a big reader. She's the one who got me into mystery in general. And she's the one who taught me what a culinary cozy was. Cause I, I you know, I didn't realize there's an entire, I'm like, Oh, people who love writing and reading about food as much as I do. Um, so when I found it, it was great, but it was very clearly older women writing younger characters that did not feel true to me. Mm. Um, they were not very diverse um and so i wrote but but you know but i do have such great love for the genre itself that i wanted to give a bit of a fresh take give like my perspective on what i think cozies could be you know like the the form is exactly what you expect a cozy to be but within it there are some different takes as, as as you said
2: yeah, and I found that you know really refreshing, and the like I said, the characters were complex and wonderfully imperfect in ways, and that mm-hmm. brings me to my next question, which is, who is your favorite character to write outside of Lila? There's so many wonderful characters. <laughs>
1: It's hard. It's it's a it is a toss up between Adina, her best friend and the calendar crew. I, like think of them like again, like they're a unit, you know, they're like a Greek chorus. Yes. You don't mm-hmm. separate them. You know, that's why sometimes like like I'm sure people might be a little confused, but there are times like they're talking, but I don't give them dialogue tags. So you don't know which auntie is saying what. And it's just like it doesn't matter. They're they're a like yeah. <laughs> they're a force. <laughs> I'm <laughs> saying miss it them. anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but also like, with Dina, um, I had to be a little careful sometimes because because she's a little more outspoken and a little more outgoing and a little more forceful. It would be it would it was easy to almost let her take over sometimes with certain investigative things. So I had to like think of ways to like pull her back a little bit because she was such a strong personality.
2: Yeah, and I think. That's, you know, uh, one of the testaments of the book is that it features so many strong women and a lot of times in Co- Cozy Mysteries, um, the women are presented as, you know, nagging and that's how they're perceived as being strong. But you, cre- you created so many different layers of strength for your female characters, which was just another thing that I, I loved about the book completely. Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah. And they do have a, just a really modern sensibility about like all the pop culture references are super fresh and mm-hmm. there is like, there's a bite to the humor here that I really mm-hmm. loved and it just reminded me of, of my friends <laughs> where the, there's like, just like a, there's, it's, it's loving, but it's a little mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I really liked the way that there was that kind of back and forth between um, especially Lila and Adina who have like almost, who are so close that they can have this, like, I love this mm-hmm. scene in the, in the uh, Mexican restaurant where they, have a fully nonverbal back and forth in the booth.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like, like even writing, I'm like, is this weird? Like, are people going to get what I'm doing? But like, there are times, you know, people you've known so well, like you just look at them and (laughs) then you're like, Oh, you know, you know what's going on right now, (laughs) you know? So you know, kind of working that out figuring out how certain gestures (laughs) would convey uh, certain things. It was a lot of fun.
0: So when it came to the mystery itself, I always love hearing um, the process for different authors. Do you consider yourself like, you know, in in the mystery writing world, you hear it described as like pantsers, people who, you know, will write the mystery kind of on the seat of their pants as they go, or plotters, people who will have it completely outlined from the get-go. Do you consider yourself a pantser or plotter when you approach your mystery writing or or somewhere in between?
1: I'm a little more in between. I'm a light plotter is what I would uh, I would say. Like I know the big beats. I know the big moments. I know what I'm building towards, but I'm not going to be there writing like 10, 15 page outlines. Um, I usually keep my outlines to about three pages. And again, it's just the main plot and the big beats with maybe some notes for like a possible subplot. And so for this book, <laughs> The Mystery, oh, so I wrote half of it, cleaned it up a little bit, and then sent it to two beta readers because like, I wanted to see, like, is this something? Am I on the right track? And I specifically chose these two beta readers because both of them are mystery writers. One was a lawyer, uh, retired, and the other was a pathologist, so she's in the medical field. And I'm like, I was an English major and an English teacher. So like, I don't really know like these technical things I wanted to make. And then like both of them sent the things back, like just like screaming at me. Cause there was a certain part where they're like, this is so illegal. You <laughs> cannot have this in there. And unfortunately that thing was a really important scene because that's how Lila got a really important bit of information, like a really important clue that kind of like was the entire part of Act Two, so no, so no. I had so I had to like remove that entire like the first mm. part was like the beginning was fine. Oddly enough, the beginning changed very very little throughout all the time I spent writing and editing it. But that second act, I had to scrap entirely and come up with a new thing because like even though I thought I knew the way it's supposed to go, the way it got there had to change. So it was. Oh, it was a lot, but it was a nice way. It was like a teaching moment, right? Because the what happened in the scene was uh, her cousin Bernadette is a nurse, um, so Lila went to her, asked for some information, and Bernadette gave it to her, which was a violation of HIPAA because she <laughs> cannot give you know confidential <laughs> client information. Which, like, I should have thought of that. But at the time, I was just like, yes, this is so, it's so perfect. Mm-hmm. Her cousin is a nurse. It's the greatest connection. And then they're like, no, you know what? That's being lazy. That's taking the easiest route. Like, she just goes to someone she knows, mm-hmm. asks for something, and gets it immediately. Like, that's, that's not a story. That's not investigating, you know? So, like, it let me be more creative in how she had to get this information. So, it sucked. <laughs> but it was, overall, the best thing that I could have done for that.
2: So, What's one of the most important things I think about writing and one of the most frustrating is you just have to roll with the punches. And sometimes (laughs) when you have to, you know, um, kind of fix those mistakes, sometimes a better thing comes out of it. And Mm -hmm. now, like you said, you use just like a a learning experience. But yeah, when you're in the zone, sometimes you're not thinking about the most obvious things. Um, (laughs) I would have been like, yeah, sure, we'll go. We'll violate HIPAA. Yeah, sounds good to me. (laughs) I've Mm -hmm. probably done the same thing
1: yeah and like the worst thing is my brother is also a nurse so like if that had gone to print i was just like oh i never would have lived this down like this is so obvious because like you know it's like a like part of the reason like it's like kind of like an in joke that like all filipinos are nurses and like my brother is a nurse his fiance is a nurse his fiance's family are nurses so like if any of them had gotten their hands on my book with that in there i could just never see
2: that side of the family ever again might not be able to write another one (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it really did work out though because the the tension between um, Lila and her cousin at that like mm-hmm. that was created out of that moment really does work though to create this kind of like roadblock for her because she really does mm-hmm. it, she really does want that that information and knows that it could provide so much like clarity but that can't be provided the way that she wants it so mm-hmm. it, it is kind of like a its, it's own opportunity so I, I'm glad that to hear it worked out ultimately <laughs> yeah <laughs> on the topic of of process you're also a professional book coach and I'm curious Mm -hmm. to hear how your experience coaching others in their writing informed your approach to writing your novel.
1: Yeah. So one, um, I took like, I'm certified. I took this, uh, through author accelerator and they had these really great tools. So when I say like my, my outline is only three pages, it's based off of, um, an outlining, technique, I guess you could say, that Jenny Nash, the CEO, created called Inside Outline. And so, you know, before I had always done like bullet point, you know, like the the big picture scene, like I said before, but the way she made me think about it was like not just like these things happen but these things happen because of what like what impact does it have on the character what are the consequences of this scene so like there's a lot more like cause and effect kind of things and it's not just oh i want this scene to happen so i have to force this character into this action it's like no the character is a fully foreign person and they and then like the plot follows the character not the other way around You know, like, they're the ones making the choices. They're the ones driving the story. Um, So that definitely changed the way I I thought about, like, starting it. And then working with my clients, um, I think just, like, reading widely and then critique. Because, like, writing and editing your own work is so different than looking at someone else's in a critical way. Mm -hmm. Because you're too close to your own work, you know. In my head, I know what I want the story to be. But is it on the page? you know, I, I need outside eyes for that. So when I'm looking at someone else's story and I'm finding all these different areas to critique, it lets me think like, oh, am I falling down in the same way? Like, am I also, you know, assuming too much of what the uh, of what the reader should know, which is a very common thing. It's, you know, like a lot of comments I'll leave um, for my clients is just like, um, oh geez, yeah, it's like, oh like oh you reference this like how, like what is it and they're like oh yeah blah 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 I'm like it's not on the page you know like if it's not on the page you can't just leap to the assumption that every reader is going to be able to read your mind and know your intentions and I have to like be mindful of that.
2: That situation reminds me of this Ryan Reynolds meme where he's standing and he he looks like he doesn't have a care in the world or he's so assured and it says uh me giving out mental health advice, and then behind him is an exploding car. Um, my mental <laughs> health—that <laughs> sounds. That seems like the situation. Like when mm-hmm. it, I feel the same way. Like, uh, and I, I'm an I'm an editor, and I you know started out as a writer. So then. The same situation where it's so clear to me when I'm editing someone else's work, but then I'm m- making the same mistakes I'm advising on. So mm-hmm. that meme really feels applicable to this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then,
1: but I use that to like to reassure you know my my clients like I, like because it'd be easy to fall into imposter syndrome, like oh who am I to give out advice, blah blah blah. No, but like no, I show them that you know because like a lot because they a lot of time, you know, like a writer will look at feedback and feel down and feel like, mm. oh, like I'm a terrible writer. It's like, no, you're not a terrible writer. You just have, you know, writing is rewriting. And so it's like, you know, I am certified in this. I have a contract and I still like, I still need beta readers. I still need my editors. Like you always will need those outside eyes to really make your writing the best it is, you know? So like, this is when, you know, I'm not just like, like do as I say, not as I do. Like I legitimately mm-hmm. go through the process too. And, and they, they, they kind of find comfort that I'm so honest with them about my own process as well. Definitely.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, therapists have therapists, right? It's like, you need other people to help you see the things you can't see. Um, mm-hmm. everyone needs to have that, that critical eye so they can actually just improve mm-hmm. their writing. Right. And that's not really yeah. like, it, you, at all a statement or commentary on even the feedback that we provide other people, which is a different skill set. And also mm-hmm. from the vantage point of being distanced from the material enough to not, you know, not have those assumptions that we have when we're writing our own work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. Just kind of have that, like, you kind of have had both sides of that experience, which is clearly like you, mm-hmm. you can appreciate having that feedback, but it can be so scary, I think, especially for new writers to get comfortable with, with really receiving that feedback in a way that doesn't make themselves feel terrible. <laughs> Um, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a skill. I think everyone just kind of gets thicker skin gradually over time, um, with that process.
1: It's one of those, like, it's not personal, right? This is not like a character judgment on you. (laughs) I'm trying to help you improve and make you the best writer you can be, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. You're also in this, in this strange circumstance of releasing a brand new book during a pandemic, um, yeah, <laughs> how, like, what has this been like for you? Have there been any surprising opportunities unique to the situation or has it just been generally more challenging? Like what, what has it been like? You know, you're about to release this book where we're, I think as of this recording, just less than a month away. Um, mm-hmm. how has that process been?
1: There have been some surprising opportunities. Like, so, so the fact that virtual events are becoming, you know, so commonplace now, whereas like in the past, they, you know, they weren't really that big a thing. Um, they, they were almost always like in-person events. You'd have to like physically go to the store or whatever the venue is. And like, those would be awesome, but it really limits who your audience is. Um, and especially with this book, where I really want it to not only be enjoyed by like Americans, but I also want, you know, like international readers, particularly you know, like home of Filipino readers to, to be able to, to, to see me and read my book and like um, engage with me during events. Um, so I would say, like that is a positive thing that we we now know the technology is there. It's possible. Yes, I know Zoom fatigue is very real, um, but at the same time, there, the accessibility is really really nice uh, for for various people. And I, and I know, um, and I really hope that even when we do move to more in person things, we still have virtual options uh, for the people who can't afford to travel to see, you know, the, these authors in person, you know, it's physically not able for them. Um, Mm. so I think it's a great opportunity in that way.
2: That's a great point. And I also think for, you know, us anxious folk, it's nice to kind of hide (laughs) away a little bit too. And, um, because Matt and I always talk about like, yeah, when the world really picks up, um, this is going to be weird and we kind of still mm-hmm. want to hide out a little bit. And so it's nice to go, like you said, go to these events from the comfort of your home, especially for people, as you mentioned, aren't yeah,
0: we'll, able we'll to. We'll just be sneaking behind mm-hmm. the Zoom watching it all. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll be creeping. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, like I'm an introvert as well. So sometimes it's like, oh, this is so nice. Like I don't have to like awkwardly walk into a room and like make, uh, like just like sad small talk with someone. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, there's cake over there. I'm just going to hide over by the cake table and wait for this thing to start, you know. Yeah, that is something I'm sad about, though. <laughs> I want a cake with my book cover on it so bad. Like I was picturing my book launch party since I first <laughs> started writing. So I'm still gonna get that cake. You know, yeah. it's just it's just it'll be for like a small, you know, it'll be a smaller one for me and my family. But yeah, that's that's that the cake. only yeah.
0: <laughs> we, we will be looking for that cake on social media. <laughs>
2: yes, gotta post it.
0: Um, speaking yeah. of which, like, where can people find you online to keep up with your writing?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MPM, so my initials, MPM the Writer. You can also check out my website. Sorry, I always forget I have a website. (laughs) um, It's my full name, MiaPManansala.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter. Um, Every month, I give you like an update on my writing, uh, events. You get a Filipino-themed recipe, so like extra recipes outside of the book, my book recommendations. And I usually do a giveaway because like I really like shouting out about like new upcoming authors and kind of sharing the wealth that way.
0: Well, that's lovely. That's incredible. Be sure to follow Mia and, and check out this book. It is incredible. Arsenic and in Adobo. It comes out on May 4th and we are already ready for the next uh, <laughs> yes. course of Tita Rosie's Kitchen Mystery Series. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Thanks for
1: having me. This was a this was a fun conversation.
0: Well, now that we are full of arsenic and adobo and we are digesting <laughs> that, let's settle in with some soothing sounds. Jillian, what sound is soothing you this week?
2: I picked Valerie June's Stardust Scattering from her album The Moon and Stars Prescriptions for Dreamers and it came out March 12th and I just love first of all the song name the album name and I think Valerie June is such a beautiful name as well and the album cover is just so striking it's of her in this silver ensemble this just it's it's gorgeous and it has I don't know this this beautiful sheen to it, and you should just it's hard to describe, but you should look up the album cover and June is a folk s- soul singer from Tennessee, and she, her her voice is unlike something I've ever heard before, just the way that she puts together or approaches a song is so unique and lovely, and everything is noise described the song as a gentle psychedelic ballad, so that's obviously as if you've been listening to the show, you know it's like right up my alley, <laughs> anything that talks about the stars and You know, outer space. I felt she felt like I was floating through space, listening to the song. It's just something really gentle and soothing and that you can kind of zone out to and which is always needed. So yeah, without further ado, let's listen to Stardust Scattering.
0: just gets more and more mesmerizing it's so beautiful
2: yeah i just especially the visualizer too if you go on youtube and check it out it's that's also very mesmerizing so in conjunction with the song you can really just after a long day of work just zone rem- out to the song
0: yeah it reminds me of when i used to turn on like mp3s with my windows media player and just turn on like the visualizer. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that level Good of times. like ooh, I just like watching the light and the waves and, uh, and space move around. Yeah, um, I love her voice. It's so clear and raw. It has a kind of um, a Karen O quality I think.
2: Yeah and, and further into the song you can really hear the strength of her vocals and just like I had mentioned earlier the uniqueness of her her voice and every song sounds different off of the album so yeah check it out.
0: What a cool find. Thank you, Jillian. Yes. My pick for Soothing Sound this week kind of came out of nowhere, um, but I'm glad I, it threw itself in my path. <laughs> Somehow <laughs> I just like found it on my Spotify. And I what pulled me in was the title. So on the theme of sea witches, it's called Oceanic Feeling. <laughs> and so I was like, I have to listen to this because I'm already kind of halfway there because the, the title of the song alone um, is pulling me in. Mm. And... It is by Molly Lewis, who is an Australian-born, L.A.-based professional whistler, okay? Oh, wow. So her instrument is her whistle, and she's not a singer. She's, she says in interviews that she really can't sing very well, but she has an incredibly powerful whistle, kind of like Andrew Bird, I guess, which I think is the most, like, when I think about, like, who's a, who is a famous musician who is kind of known for whistling, she's on that kind of uh, wavelength um, and so it's a, just a really unique song let's take a listen um, and check out Molly Lewis's Oceanic Feeling If you watch the music video, like we are, um, it's already kind of bizarre to, from the from the get go. But then there's a moment where John C. Riley just appears playing a That's saxophone. That's okay.
2: I, that was that. I was like, I know this man. Who is this man? But I thought I was just making things up in my head.
0: Just to add um, another layer of uh, weirdness to it. It's it's oh, it's interesting it. watching somebody whistle. It adds like I, I the experience of listening to the song is different from the one of watching the video because. I don't think we're used to seeing people whistle. And so there's kind of a, an, mm. an inherent weirdness to it um, or perform whistling, I suppose I, I should say. But I think when amazing. you just isolate the music itself, it's just really, it's mesmerizing and eerie and it's kind of mm-hmm. like just like a lounge tune. I don't know. It just kind of works in this uh, weird way. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's a, it's a mood for sure.
2: <laughs> I think it's so cool and just insanely impressive. I, I, can't even do one little toot whistle <laughs> but it's 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 amazing it's lovely it reminded me of the, like the opening of a movie or a scene where a character is driving to like a far distance and it's just this gorgeous beautiful melody and the fact that um, molly can carry it for that long is incredible i can tell she has amazing cheekbones <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised because i imagine you're really working yeah. on your face all the time
0: yeah, she, in her own words, she says that whistling is like a human theremin. You can really, she really mm. uses her voice in kind of a similar way. And I 100% agree. This is going to be in a movie at some point because it just sounds like it's ready to go on a soundtrack.
2: Oh yeah, it's it's absolutely stunning. It's a cool pick. So we usually, obviously, pick so- songs with lyrics. It's nice to hear something so different and unique. I. It's nice that you stumbled upon I it, know, it. I know. It was I'm,
0: fate. I don't know. This, is, this whistling had to come to us in some weird way. I, I, I think someone was banging their crystals together and it made it happen. But yeah. um, <laughs> stay tuned for a future album. There's no release date set but because this, cause mm-hmm. this um, single just dropped a couple of weeks ago, but it should be soon.
2: Well, I think we knocked it out of the park with this soothing sound. Yeah,
0: I think it's we're installing. quite soothed and we're ready yeah. to go into the cozy library in an orderly manner.
2: Our cozy library, if you're not familiar, is where we, you know, plug a book we think is cool and interesting and potentially cozy for uh, readers and listeners alike. And this one is Lazarus Remembered by E.J. Harper. And it might not sound cozy on the, the outset, but... I'll explain why I believe it is cozy. So Lazarus Remembered is a powerful domestic drama set in the fictional town of Lazarus in New South Wales that explores the challenges within non-traditional family structures. So family drama, you might not be thinking, totally cozy. But what I think is unique about this work is that it's told with words and music. It's produced independently as an audiobook and includes a soundscape featuring 13 original songs by composer Andy Harper. And I'm very interested in stories that are told in unique and different ways. And a lot of people find audiobooks cozy. So if this sounds like it's up your alley, give it a, a listen and a read. And E.J. Harper has an interesting background. She's a native of Northeast England and received her Ph.D. from Nottingham University in 1993. Following a career in science, she turned her hand to the craft of creative writing and recently completed her first novel, which I just mentioned, Lazarus Remembered. She currently lives in a 12th century mill in the south of France. Is there rooms available? I know. I, stop, I stop
0: showing off, EJ. <laughs> um,
2: with her husband and small family of dogs and cats, so that's really cool. So, if you have a cozy library pick, or you would obviously want to be featured, uh, send us an email or a message, and we'll check it out.
0: Yeah, th- this sounds great. I, I, it's um after you know you read Arsenic and Adobo, check out Lazarus Remembered. All right, Julian. So, we we've got our ears full of uh of music mm-hmm. and our hands full of books. Uh let, why not sniff some candles? What are you burning over there this week?
2: Oh, my mom sent me an Easter package and My my, my mom did candle. too. Isn't
0: that like I I love that we're still pampered in our 30s. <laughs> I know.
2: I actually had a, like a very not so cozy moment I'm like, "Oh my god, when the Easter packages don't come anymore, I'm just going to be heartbroken because sometimes I'm like, okay, well she sent me um pajamas too guess and I say it in the East Coast pajamas, not pajamas. Um, she sent me a set of baj- pajamas, and they were snake print.
0: <laughs> yeah, because because she knows who you are. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was just so random, and it's like a random assortment of things, like a really cute um, Easter stuff and candy and little trinkets, and, 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 I then, and a, then a
0: big snake emoji, and,
2: a, and then yeah, and then a big then snake pants. I was like, <laughs> what is this? But it also came with. Um, a, a candle, and it was a big candle. so I'm like, oh, I'm so excited! This would be great for the episode. It's called Simply Eclectic, and it's a white tea scent. And it is eclectic because I cannot find any information on it, <laughs> absolutely none. I, I can't, couldn't even find the brand. I googled it. I, I did whatever I could, and I looked at the bottom, and on the bottom it says Big Lots. So mm. I'm not familiar with Big Lots. Is it? It's like a Costco? I don't yeah. Know well, it no,
0: it's like um it's like a home goods store. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Well, maybe Home Goods has a hand in this. I mean, or Big Lots, I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, it has a lovely, a lovely image on the front. It's this gray purple color and beautiful white flowers adorning it. So it's like very, very spring and that's lovely. And the white tea scent, I do get a strong scent of the the, the tea and it's, but it's a nice fruity tea, but not too sugary, which you obviously, if you've been listening for a while, you know, we hate that kind of scent. Not hate, I don't want to use that word, but we don't like it. <laughs> um, so I wish I could tell you where to get this, but I don't know. So if you ever stumble upon Simply Eclectic's white tea scent, I recommend it. It's a wake-up for me, and I'll be sniffing it in my snake pants. So <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Nothing like a Big Lots Easter bag. Uh <laughs> That does sound super cozy. I got um some chocolate Easter bunnies from Fannie Mae, um, which is a Chicago chocolatier that oh, I really nice. love. And I, I I really I mean Easter chocolate is like top notch. So I we're I'm very grateful oh, yeah. that our moms are are uh, spoiling us with candles, candy, and um slithery snake pants. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go, before we slither on away um <laughs> in our scales, uh we do have some shout-outs uh, and appreciation to show to our listeners. First of all, a huge thanks to our new patrons, LEC, Megan B., and Lisa M. We really appreciate your contributions and support of our show. It means a lot. If you want to join them, uh, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash allthingscozy. We run a very cozy Patreon insofar as it's really whatever you are able and comfortable to give. It, it all um, is cool to us. It makes a big difference. Um and and yeah, just like, you know, check it out, take a look and see if you're interested in, in chipping in and becoming, as I keep saying, but I don't know why, a cozy commando.
2: <laughs> yeah, which sounds questionable, we'll go with it. Uh, so also one thing about the, the patron I want to mention is that I send out the mag- magnets and stickers and I don't know if everyone, you know, checks their messages and I don't want people to think that I forgot about them, but if you do uh, contribute and donate to get your address, just keep a lookout for my message because I don't think of forwards to emails. So I don't want anyone waiting at their mailbox. It always makes me sad thinking about that. So uh, just check your messages on Patreon if, You know, if you haven't gotten something. And then I also want to give a shout out to this lovely, so heartfelt review from S-Cares. As care says, Matt and Julian have really helped me in this awful, unprecedented year. I had my baby in October and he had to be in the hospital for several months following his birth before being able to go home. So to pass the time and distract from the medical sounds, I started to listen while I rocked and fed him. Due to COVID restrictions, my husband couldn't be with us. The hospital's far from cozy, but all things cozy made me feel better about being there with my son for such a long time. And the group helped me feel more connected to others. Now that we are home, I try the recipes and candles they discuss, and it's even more fun. Know that your work matters, and I'm so grateful to you both for helping me and Baby Sam get through a hard time.
0: That is so moving. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And we are honored to be a part of of you and Baby Sam's journey. And again, just really appreciate you sharing this with us and, and feel really grateful for you as a listener. Thank you.
2: Yes, thank you so much.
0: Well, that does it for this week's episode. It, Jillian, I that, that went by so fast. I am, I am flabbergasted. I am. That was, you know, too fast, too furious coziness. <laughs> it
2: was oh, we can make our real movie.
0: I know, right? Um, too fast, too cozy. Anyway, thank you for giggling at that. That, that didn't deserve it. Um, fortunately, I'm sure <laughs> most it. listeners have turned off the show by now. Um, <laughs> but if you're still here, I do apologize. Uh, we will be back in your ears with a brand new cozy show in two more weeks. Until then, stay, stay cozy. cozy.